the incomparable. Number 333, January 2017. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. We are... Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! 2017! It's 2017. Happy New Year, your bank hole dropped. We have put 2016 in the ground where it belongs. Uh, But before we bury the body, we're going to do something we do here on The Incomparable, which is look back at our favorite things from 2016. I am joined, I'm Jason Snell, your host, as I was for almost every episode in 2016, with, uh, I'm joined by my four most commonly heard panelists in 2016, and I'm going to introduce them to you now in the order in which they, uh, they rank on our top panelist list. Number one, reigning champion with 26 appearances. Who could it be? In, in 52 mm-hmm. weeks. Half of the episodes. Soon he'll be the host. It's David J. Lore. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I don't want to spoil anything, but but some of my favorite things. Raindrops on roses. Mm-hmm. Oh, whiskers on kittens. Uh, sure. Gin. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Uh, I kind of like the tails on kittens, but uh, okay. Oh, they're they're cute. They're like they're like six. They're six are, okay, good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who, they're in there. They're who in picks there. whiskers as their favorite thing about kittens? Oscar Hammerstein. Yeah, I'm all Tobins, man. Team Tobin. Number two, with 22 appearances, Erica Ensign. Hello. Hello. You need to bump David off of some episodes is all. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) It's good to have a goal for 2017. Take him down a peg. 26 is too many anyway. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Number three, with 18 appearances, Monty Ashley. Hello. Hello. And... Number four. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I've already talked a bunch interrupting other people's introduction. I felt That's weird about doing doot. my own shtick during my doot. thing. I said, I said, doot. 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 and uh, number four with 16 appearances, Steve Lutz. Number four, man. That's embarrassing. <laughs> I sat down to prepare for this episode a couple of weeks back the way I usually do, which is I download all of our episodes and I kind of start going through them in the car. At uh, at high speeds. Is the car at high speed or the or, or the podcast? I was just going to say. Uh, the, I go fifteen in the car, but the podcast is at uh, three times speed, <laughs> okay. so okay, it, counters, okay. it counters that good. cancels each other out. I find the podcast better if I'm in terror for my life. <laughs> yeah, so I looked at that total and I said, "This is going to be over in no time." And then I noticed that there were low definitions and other game shows and total oh. party kills, oh, and I said, "Oh crap." So uh, if you count other episodes, my total is not quite so embarrassing. I prepared for this the same way I always do, which is starting out the year by taking notes as I'm listening to the podcast uh-huh. and then uh, very swiftly How far did you get? forgetting to do that. Uh, let's see. I got through episode 292, which I don't that's remember pretty good. that was. That's 11 episodes in, yeah. Well, that's better than I did. All right. Well, that's good. I got it's about good. two weeks in. Make a make a New Year's resolution to, uh, to yeah. try to mm-hmm. try to make it to to March. That's worked out so well the last three years. I would like to thank <laughs> some of our panelists who didn't make it tonight, who are also in our in our uh, hearts, our top list. No, don't thank them. They're not here. Screw them. Yeah, <laughs> they get no thanks. Winners, bunch of them. You can acknowledge them, but don't thank them. No thanks to John Syracuse, to Dan Morin, mm-hmm. to Aline mm-hmm. Sims, yep. to Tony Sindelar. Yeah. Definitely no thanks to uh, Scott McNulty. Yeah, hey, Edith McNulty. Oh, God, no. <laughs> he could be here for all we know because he wouldn't say anything. Lisa Schmeiser, nope, point. no thanks. Glenn Fleischman, definitely not mm-hmm. a little bit of thanks, not a wit no to him. No thanks. Joe Steele, Brian Hamilton, Shannon Sutterth, and Chip Sutterth, Anthony Johnston, 
and Andy and Notco. No thanks to them or anyone else of our many panelists this year. No thanks to you. <laughs> or the listeners, and that's it. Uh, so here's what we're going to do, as we always do in these New Year's episodes. We're going to talk first about some stuff that we liked this year, just to, to have some kind of positivity of like stuff we liked out in the world, media stuff we consumed that we liked, just to make a little list, and maybe it'll be stuff you haven't heard of, or uh, you can you can check it out. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about ourselves after that. So we're going to start by by praising others before we turn around and strain our shoulder a little bit and pat ourselves on the back with favorites and i do have some uh some notes will there be clips there 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 will be clips Ooh, i love clips i have some notes from uh listeners as well and a couple of listeners sent in their clips uh and those are my favorite people in the world and 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 we'll hear from them in a little bit <laughs> first <clears throat> After us, right, Jason? Uh, uh, yes, after you <laughs> sure. four, but not the sure. others. Not <laughs> yeah, the others. Not them. Uh, so let's talk about favorite things in the world first. Uh, David Lore, uh, you have some favorite stuff, uh, movies, TV, books, whatever, that you'd like to talk about? I, I do have some favorite whatever. Um, <laughs> I have been enjoying the third collection of Bandit comics from Dark Horse Comics by Paul Tobin and Colette Coover. Bandit is a she. I don't know that she's a superhero, but she's a masked uh, cat burglar in Paris, and her adventures are delightful. And if if you listen to radio theater, you will pick this up and go, "Oh dear God, no wonder he loves it." Uh, so the third book just came out in October. Um, the first two are sitting happily on my shelf of things I love. Uh, also, The Black Beetle by Francisco Francavilla, um, also a masked superhero of sorts. Uh, very good story. It's, it's, it's been out before, but I just, I finally got it this year. Um, and, uh, I've been doing a lot of nonfiction reading because I'm busy writing fiction. So, uh, I've been reading SPQR by Mary Beard, which is a really engaging history of the Roman Empire. Uh, you, you wouldn't think, gee, I really need to sit down and read a book about the Roman Empire, but you'd be wrong because this is a really good one. Um, and Wonderland by Stephen Johnson, uh, who he did a PBS show last year called How We Got to Now. And Wonderland is his follow up to this. It's, it's sort of an interesting look at how the technologies and everything, everything that has basically benefited Humanity uh, started out as innovations for playthings and diversions and entertainments. And then someone said, hey, you know, we could actually use that to do something useful. Um, so it's kind of an interesting inversion of things because, you know, you think, oh, the car was invented and did this. And you don't look at what led to the car. And and his thesis is that playthings really influenced a lot of this stuff, which is kind of wild. Um, on the fiction side, uh, my favorite novel of the year so far is Moonglow by Michael Chabon, uh, which is sort of a fictional memoir because it's about a writer named Michael Chabon hmm. and talking about his grandfather and uh, somewhat true details and somewhat very not true details. And it's an interesting blend. And it's not, you're not sitting there trying to piece together, oh, what's real and what's not, you know, what really happened to him. Uh, but it's, it's really engaging if you, if you liked Cavalier and Clay and Wonder Boys and the Yiddish Policeman's Union. 
I, I think you'll get a kick out of this. It's it's a lot of fun, and there are rockets. Yay! Uh, so you know, yay rockets. Woo. Um, in terms of things I just enjoyed doing this year, I got to go to the concert against humanity up in Indianapolis from our friends at Cards Against Humanity, which was way longer than anyone expected, and it was quite delightful. And I went to the Austin Television Festival, where I got to meet uh, Javier Grio Marswash of Lost and the Middleman, and uh, got to hang out with Tom Fontana from Homicide and St. Elsewhere, uh, who I've met long ago, and uh, got to meet Moises Truyan in person and mm. Tim Goodman in person, which was great fun. Uh, and and probably, I mean, the whole thing was wonderful, but one of the most special moments was just actually getting to meet Norman Lear and say, thank you for influencing a huge amount of my childhood. And he was very gracious, and he outlasted us all. That was at like 1 a.m. in the morning. And we all went home, and he was still partying at the bar. So go Norman. Attaboy, Norman. Mm-hmm. That was that was my year of non things things that I didn't read or watch for the show. Yeah, that's just like all Fair the enough. other stuff that works. All right, Erica, what uh, what what things did you like this year? Uh, I quite enjoyed uh, the Doctor Who spinoff class, which isn't actually available on uh, BBC America yet. So sorry, US uh, listeners, but you've got it to look forward to next spring sometime um i like that uh finished the uh the rewatch that steven and i were doing for Mm. gilmore girls because we wanted to be ready for the new movies which sadly we've only watched one of the four new movies yet but it was still fun to get all the way through and determine that season seven was not as bad as i remembered it being watching it in real time um i i highly recommend marathoning it it works better that way uh, I've still been very slowly catching up on Flash and Arrow. I'm still only in the first season of The Flash, so it gives you a, a, an idea of just how far I've gotten. But I'm, I'm still chugging along very slowly. And just at the end of 2016, I discovered a show called Younger, which I completely fell in love with one day before they took it away and made it not playable anymore online. Um, but I managed to see, like, I don't know, quite a few episodes in that one day that I had, and I, I'm probably just going to buy it on Amazon because I really want to watch it. Um, so oh. check that out if you are – if you like uh, – it's it's a half-hour comedy about a woman uh, played by Sutton Foster, whom I love, who pretends to be 26 to get a job in advertising because she had taken uh, time off to have a child and raise a child and she's actually 40. And it sounds like kind of a ridiculous and mm. stupid janky premise, but they treat it very well. It's, it's very well done. So – it's awesome. Um, it was the year of no Doctor Who, if you are a Doctor Who fan. Yeah. But because there was no Doctor Who this year, um, I it was fun to see what we could come up with to talk about on Verity. We did very much sort of stretched our uh, stretched our theme to its limits, and then it also. Uh, I think allowed more time for Lazy Doctor Who for Stephen and I to do our other incomparable network podcast, and uh, we we trucked through quite a bit. And I'm I'm pretty proud of the pace we're going at yeah. at this point. Uh, it ebbs and flows, but you know, eventually we'll we'll get through it. Um, uh, a really cool thing to be able to do is go to the Now Here This Festival and see a bunch of you guys in person, which Aww. is something that I think does not yeah. happen often enough. Um, so. 
that was that was wonderful. Plus, getting to see other podcasts live and and do ours live that was that was very cool. Uh, another in person thing was actually getting to meet Aline Sims in person. I took a family vacation to Sonoma, Arizona earlier this year, and was able to arrange a meetup with with her and Justin. So Stephen and I got to meet her in person, and it was it was just great. Um, I. I didn't do a whole lot of reading. I actually, I think most of the reading that I did was for episode 301 of The Incomparable. Oh. All the best words. Yep. Um, but it worked out great because so many of those books were ones that I either liked a lot or positively adored. So even though I didn't get to read a lot of other things, my podcast reading was, um, at least for that episode, top, top notch. Huh. Um, and then, of course, the other reading that I do consistently is for Uncanny Magazine, which I think has had just a kind of a banner year as far as as stories that I have been passionate about, and I've still gotten to read the story, some of the stories for the Uncanny Magazine podcast, which is always wonderful, and that led to probably the coolest thing that happened to me this year, which was winning a Hugo Award. Um, which is, <laughs> uh, yeah. well, everybody did that. <laughs> it still doesn't quite seem real. Um, yeah, that was that was a very strange thing, and then also you know some Parsec Awards also for Uncanny and Verity and The Incomparable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we need a new show unit I'll, for our... I'll, I'll send it to you. In a, in a... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We still need to find room yeah. for it. We've got six, <laughs> six pieces wow. of hardware here. That's rough. Yeah. Dang. But the, the very last thing on my list is more of a sort of a real world thing, and that is I got a job <laughs> this, this last year in 2016, and it is kind of my dream job. I'm a writer uh, for the government um, in a unit that I'm actually passionate about what I'm writing about. So it's it's been fantastic. And I actually work with with really good, dedicated civil servants, which is just a it's a wonderful experience. And between that and, you know, starting a, a small business with Stephen to produce podcasts on the side it has been kind of a the beginning of the year was kind of rocky financially. But at the end of the year, everything seems to have smoothed out. So while 2016 was was crap on a lot of fronts, yeah. uh, it, it finished strong in, in a couple of ways for me. So I'm all right. Nice. I, I should say going Lego shopping in Anaheim with you and Steven was also one of my favorite things this yeah. year. Yeah, David, I was going to say, I noticed you mentioned the ATX Festival and the Concert Against Humanity, but didn't mention us all getting together and now here Because I was saving that for my favorite episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Ah. Yeah, I don't know. See? Because I, I said, those are why, my, my outside the podcast I don't, why don't Why don't you love us? <laughs> <laughs> now it's a holiday special. Yeah, only twenty six episodes this year. He must be disgusted. Yeah, with it. yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't take it. I can't take it. All right, let's move on to Monty. Monty, my favorite comic book that I discovered this year is called The Unbelievable Gwenpool, which is extremely silly. Uh, let me explain the premise really quick. If people haven't heard of this character, she's actually a brand new Marvel character invented in twenty sixteen and has her own comic book. Uh, she started as a joke. There was the amazing spider Gwen, which was a version of Gwen Stacy that had been bitten by a radioactive spider. And then one month they had a whole bunch of other hypothetical Gwens, like the Gwen Vengers. And there was a joke on a Deadpool cover about Gwenpool. Everybody liked the costume. So they reconfigured the costume into this character, who is not Gwen Stacy. Her name is Gwen Pool, P-O-O-L-E. And she appears to have been put into the Marvel Universe from our universe. Whoa. She has no powers at all, except that she's read a bunch of Marvel comics, so she knows everybody's (laughs) secret identities, (laughs) and she knows all the tropes. 
So the first wow. thing she does is get herself a costume because if you have a costume, you're a main character and are less likely to get randomly killed in the background. I love this idea. I'm, I'm ordering this right now. That's as amazing. We speak. There is a collection called uh, The Unbelievable Gwenpool. Believe it. Uh, the first thing she does <laughs> is start blowing stuff up because whatever, it's a comic book. You people die all the time. It doesn't matter. But she kind of discovers that's not true. And it she is forced to take the universe she's in more seriously, but not entirely seriously because she knows that, for instance, Howard the Duck is around and how dumb that is. <laughs> that's a good for instance. It's super meta. She gets to make jokes to Modoc's face and hang out with Batrock the Leaper. And I'm really enjoying it. Uh, the other books that I read that I really enjoyed this year, one was The Union of the State, which is an oral history of the comic or the sketch comedy group The State, who you might remember from having a show on MTV in the 1990s. Oh, yeah. There were 11 guys. In, well, there were 10 guys and one woman in The State. And they've kind of taken over the comedic landscape. Uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Garant are all over the place. David Wayne is all over the place. Ken Marino is all over the place. And this is a really good oral history in which all 11 people share their memories. The network people they were arguing with share their memories. <laughs> it's a super thick book, and I went through it in a day. And if oh, you wow. like the kind of comedy that has the earmarks of the state – this book about how 11 guys from NYU somehow got a TV show on MTV and then <laughs> lost it and kind of ruined their careers until later when they came back is super fun. Uh, the third book I'm going to mention, keeping the nerd theme, is The Caped Crusade by Glenn Weldon. Oh, Glenn yes. Glenn Weldon, of course, one of the panelists on the podcast Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. Uh, he knows everything about Batman. And in this book, he shares it with us. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Either you want to read a cultural history about Batman or you don't. I recommend that you do. It is great. I did. It is. See? Uh, TV shows. I really enjoyed Bajillion Dollar Properties, which is barely a TV show <laughs> because it is on CISO, a streaming app. I'll allow it. I enjoyed it anyway. It is executive produced by Kulap Vilaisak, who is on the Earwolf podcast, Who Charted? the wife of Scott Aukerman of Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, it's produced by Comedy Bang Bang Productions and also Tom Lennon and Robert Grant, who I just mentioned as having been part of the state. They also produce At Midnight and a bunch of other stuff. Um, it's a mostly improvised show that's making fun of real estate shows, and it's super funny. There have been two seasons already, in 2016, each season is six episodes long. It looks like they may have been shot in six days, too. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay attention, when they go to these lavish mansions that they have to sell three of per episode, they reuse certain mansions a lot. And I think it's great to see, oh, now we're shooting from this angle and putting this <laughs> caption on. So it says, you know, steam shower, 19 grottos and stuff like that. Uh, the other TV show I want to mention is also barely a TV show. It's called Window Warriors, and it's on the Game Show Network. It was terrible, but I really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a competitive reality show about people who make shop display windows, like for Macy's. Oh, wow. Sorry, I just have to say that that sentence was maybe the most Monty thing no. I've ever heard. 
I stand by it. <laughs> Somehow this terrible show had a $100,000 prize because some genius realized they can get the entire show underwritten by having it entirely be advertisements. So there are two of like the eight episodes sponsored by Macy's and they're designing Macy's things. You're watching people figure out how to advertise Macy's to you. And then there's a Hot Topic episode. <laughs> it, I enjoyed that show partly for its audacity in pretending to be a television show. But also it was interesting seeing people, seeing the conflict some of the contestants had between making a window display that will please the eye and making a display that will sell the product. There was one guy on the show I'm pretty sure was just a visual artist and doesn't actually work in advertising. And I'm going to say my favorite movie of the year was probably Zootopia, which is weird because the first time I watched Zootopia, I got super bored and didn't finish it. Uh, mm. The first time I watched it, I was viewing it as a buddy cop movie, and it seemed really by the numbers and boring. The second time I watched it, I realized it was a film noir and a love story, and I really, really liked it that time. I think that's it. All right. <laughs> and I hated everything else. Okay, good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Except things I will bring up in the talking about our podcasts section. Yeah. All right. Especially John Syracuse, Dan Moore, and Aline Sims, Tony Sindelar, Scott McNulty, etc. Oh, those guys. <laughs> well, they're not here to defend themselves. Steve, what are your favorite things? Uh, nothing. Okay. Moving on. Let's move on. No, I actually did write some things down. Um, so, although it's not as extensive a list this year for some reason. I'm not sure why. But uh, I did like some things this year. Um, top thing on my list is the Now Hear This Podcast Festival, which uh. I looked forward to for weeks and weeks, and it did not disappoint. I mean, the festival was the festival, but uh, getting the opportunity to hang out with uh, all of you fine people and to finally meet Aline and Brian and to meet again uh, Dan and Erica and Steven and uh, the 50 other people that showed up from The Incomparable. <laughs> Was uh, was great fun, and I uh, really enjoyed myself, and uh, getting the opportunity to meet the Magic Tavern people and a couple of the other folks, uh, Aaron Mankey from Lore, uh, was really enjoyable, and uh, gave me a new appreciation for the podcast community, which uh, I didn't realize I was part of until we uh, <laughs> now hear this, and now it turns out I am, so there you go. Uh, things that were not podcast festivals, um, there any books this year, I don't think. Unless it was uh, going through my old Calvin and Hobbes collections just to soothe myself. Um, but uh, movies-wise, uh, best movie I saw this year was actually a movie from 2014, which by New Things standards is actually basically brand new. The uh, best movie I saw all year was The Babadook, mm. which is uh, an Australian... I almost hesitate to call it a horror movie because it's really more of a psychological thriller, although it is kind of a monster movie in a way. Uh, but it is a wonderful film uh, that I recommend to even non-horror people. Um, basically, it's about a, a single mom whose uh, husband actually died on the way to deliver their young son, who is now, I think, seven or eight years old. And uh, he is uh, kind of a handful. He's probably somewhere on the spectrum, and he keeps her awake uh, night after night. Uh, and he gets in a lot of trouble at school, and she's basically kind of at her wit's end and uh, about to lose it anyway. And then they run across a book one night uh, that just appeared from nowhere called The Babadook, uh, which introduces this monster called The Babadook who 
when you let him into your life, he uh, you'll wish you were dead and you can never get rid of him. And uh, the, her son freaks out and obsesses over it. And soon enough, sure enough, the Babadook turns up at the house. Um, it's I, I don't want to go into too much detail on it because it's a really complex and very uh, kind of subtle plot that's not entirely about the monster, although you, you can kind of... Uh, determine for yourself how much the Babadook is a real monster and how much it's something that uh, is is more of a metaphor. Uh, but it's really, really good. Um, I consider it probably one of the best horror movies I've seen in the last 10 years and maybe one of the best movies I've seen in that long. Um, just a solid film, beautifully acted, wonderfully directed, very inventively filmed, uh, and uh, I recommend it. It's good stuff. I think you're and like the sixth person to tell me how good that movie is. I really need to see it. I kind of just sort of randomly picked it up after hearing a couple of people recommend it. I don't, it wasn't overly hyped to me, so hopefully that won't impact mm. you too much. But I just sort of randomly turned it on because I noticed it on Netflix and it's still there, by the way, if you want to stream it. Uh, and I was shocked at how good it was. And mm-hmm. uh, the people that had told me about it really undersold it. So uh, and it's there's there's very little gore in it. So if that's not your thing, uh, you know, there you go. Uh, Although I know there are people out there for whom uh, seeing animals put in peril is worse than seeing people eviscerated. And if you are one of those, uh, there is a scene in this that will be very difficult for you. So you should be prepared for that. But uh, it's not graphic. So at least there's that. Anyway, wonderful movie. I will say that the Babadook looks incredibly cool. Like, the creature itself. Man, I love that creature design. It is a good design. Uh, Also, uh, really enjoyed Zootopia, like Monty. I think that's... uh, I always root for Disney animation because they've been having their lunch eaten by Pixar for the last 10 years or so. And every time a Disney film comes out, I'm always like, come on, maybe this will be the one that's as good as Pixar. And then, oh, no, not quite. Sorry. But you're getting closer. And I think Zootopia finally did it. They finally made a, a... a computer animated movie that I put on a level with Pixar. Um, it's, uh, I, I really enjoyed the story. I liked all of the various threads that were going on throughout the plot. Uh, I think it's a very effective commentary on uh, racism and bullying and a variety of other things. And it does that without being remotely on the nose, which I think is a far more effective way to, to pass that message on to kids than uh, hitting them over the head. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I'd like to go back and watch it again soon. It's got some transcendently stupid jokes, too. That's true, too. Yeah, it's funny as well. And it does both without breaking a sweat. Let's see. I played some games. Uh, Last year, I think I was uh, happy because I had just finished Fallout 1. This year, I finished Fallout 2. So there's that. (laughs) Wasn't as good as Fallout 1. It was too long, and it was buggier. And I have... Real, real difficulty with RPGs that are buggy because I never know if that guy died because I screwed up or because this, the person who wrote the script to govern that character screwed up. And so it was uh, overall entertaining, but it was too long. Uh, and, uh, and now I moved on to Fallout 3, and I'm about uh, 50 hours into that, and I've barely scratched the surface, and I'm loving every minute of it. It is uh, basically... Uh, as expected, it is basically Elder Scrolls in post-apocalyptic uh, universe with guns and uh, and mutants instead of swords and trolls. And uh, it is absolutely wonderful. I, I love a game where I can just kind of randomly explore things. And if I feel like it, I can drop into this subway tunnel that's totally... Uh, 
not part of the main plot, but there's a whole like a you know a group of people who think they're vampires living down there that you just sort of run across and you spend several hours just kind of uh, talking to all of them and doing side quests for them, and then you move on to something else. And uh, I I find that very uh, very compelling, although it is an incredible bear to get running on Windows 10. Uh, but I won't go into detail on that. But Bethesda really needs to get their stuff together and come up with a patch to make it easier because it was a huge pain. Uh, and actually, I think I spent more time uh, games-wise on LaunchBox this year than anything else, uh, which is basically a front end for um, for all of the emulators that you have laying around. Like, I've been into emulators for a long time, playing all my old Atari and uh, Sega games and whatnot. Um, but something about uh, importing them all into into this front end and downloading all of the box art and having all of the boxes lined up, you know, the old 70s box art that were like the Atari box art from the 70s where uh, clearly somebody smoked a whole lot of pot before they decided they were going to uh, come up with the art for air-sea battle or basic math or whatever. Um, and something about just seeing all those boxes with their their crazy 70s art all lined up side by side, it reawakens the, uh, the kid in me who uh, every time his mom dragged him to the mall – uh, used to go running to that weird corner of Sears where they inexplicably stocked Atari games right mm-hmm. next to the hardware. <laughs> Just so I could stare longingly at the shelves and, and dream of playing all those games. And uh, So I really enjoyed that. And, uh, I played a lot of old games, and I've kind of started an unofficial quest now to play every single console game uh, made before, say, like 1995 or the PlayStation era. I haven't gotten very far yet. I'm in 1982. So... That's uh, that was it. All right, did some stuff, had some laughs, shed some tears. Came out to the coast, have a few, had laughs. A few laughs. Yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> Welcome to the party, David. All right, I've got a, I've got a few, really quick. Um, my favorite movie of the year, I've decided was Arrival. I really loved it. I thought it was, mm. I thought it was great. It made me. I left the theater very, very happy, emotionally touched, and kind of happy and sad. And it did all the right things. I, I, I loved it a lot. Um, my top five TV shows of the year, because I actually made a list. Mm-hmm. Weirdo. Yeah, I know. Game of Thrones. <laughs> Nerd. Oh, yeah. I watched that, too. You're the worst great comedy. I think I probably mentioned it last year on uh, FX. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, Mr. Robot, season two, I liked it a lot. The Expanse and Westworld. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll mention all of those. I also really liked Atlanta, um, which... I had it number six oh, on yeah. my list with uh, Donald Glover. Just really great books. I, the ones I wanted to call out, I mean, we, we talked about the fifth season because it was a Nebula nominee, um, but NK Jemison, and then the sequel to that, uh, the obelisk gate and the, their third book in the, in the trilogy is coming out in 2017. Um, I really love those books. I think she's a wonderful writer and the world building is pretty amazing. And there are a few little things in it that you, uh, she does a very nice trick where there's things that you read as world building that are just kind of tossed off world building details that turn out later not to be. And I really love it when a writer can do that, where you absorb this thing that they're telling you, but you sort of take it as color. And then like 300 pages later, you're like, oh, that's important, right? <laughs> uh, uh, that's a mm. great trick when you can do yeah. that. And, and she did that mm-hmm. in, in that setting up that world because, you know, it's this totally kind of foreign world and uh, you make some assumptions and then she gets to say, 
sometimes, no, that was the wrong assumption that you made there. So pretty good mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm looking forward to the third book. And then the other book that I really liked was Uprooted by Naomi Novik. I, I liked it a lot. It is, I, I was writing about it today and in trying to describe what it's about, I realized there's a way you can describe it that makes it sound like the most boring rote <laughs> fantasy book ever. It's like there's a girl in a village and it turns out she has a special magical talent and there's a wizard and the wizard takes her from the village and there's a, there's a creature and it's trying to destroy the world with its darkness and there's a prince and there's yeah it's not like that it's but it's really good and i like it a lot and the villains in that are bureaucracy politics and a monstrous tree that is trying to eat the world you know the usual (laughs) Uh, as you do but i liked i like that book a lot comics i I just want to mention we did an astro city episode um and i really got into reading astro city thank you david uh for recommending that uh that that stuff is so good so i'm still i'm still kind of reading through astro city i really liked the amazing spider-man this year um as somebody who loves spider-man and has for a very long time i feel like they really lost their way with that character and they did lots of things for several years that kind of made me not want to read spider-man comics and their latest iteration where peter parker like is successful and he's got a big international conglomerate and scientists who work for him and spider-man is known to the world as peter parker's uh bodyguard and employee which is a and he actually hires another guy to be spider-man when he can't be so that he can be seen in the same place it's fun because he has gadgets and he has adventures and he's in china half the time and then he's back in the u.s and it's a lot of fun and light and interesting in a way that Spider-Man really hadn't been for, I'd say, like five years. So I, I've enjoyed this arc where Peter Parker is a uh, you know millionaire industrialist. It's, it's nice for Peter Parker to win some of the time. It'll all come crashing down, of course, because it's Spider-Man. <laughs> but for now, it's good. And on Marvel Unlimited, I have been catching up on Squirrel Girl, which is delightful and funny and and wacky and uh if people haven't been reading squirrel girl uh they should definitely check it out we did that whole marvel unlimited draft and squirrel girl got a lot of praise there but i wanted to to mention it again so good all right so let's shift gears and talk about favorite things from the incomparable for the last year i i want to um first we're going to start with the listeners and then we'll move on to our our selections well the listeners aren't here why do they get to go first because we love them the listeners so much. Are because we love our here, listeners. Steve, they're, they're always, always here. In fact, if they're not listening, there's no podcast. If, if they're not listening, we don't exist. <gasps> That's not true. We would still be doing this stupid thing if nobody was That's listening. That's so totally deep, man. I did have a, a, a mention from John Syracuse who told me to mention uh, the Alien episode because he got to rediscover the film and then apparently scared the bejesus out of his son by showing him. <laughs> <Alien. laughs> All right. Here's some, uh, here's some letters. Uh, with some some of these letter writers sent clips, which is the best thing. Those are the best listeners. We do love those listeners. We yeah. love they those. outrank us because we did not do that. We yep. love <laughs> letters from listeners. Letters we get them. Here is our first letter. Oh yeah, do you have a song for this one, David? No, no, no. I'm just singing, but I don't have a song. You don't have a letter song for this? No. All right. Well, okay. Then here it is. This is this is a letter from Jeff, last name withheld, who says. Hello, incomparable hosts. My favorite moments from 2016 involve a crossover (laughs) of sorts. Thanks to Jason, John, and others, I spent much of 2015 catching up with Dan, Stu, Elliot, and the house cat. So imagine my delight when the Flophouse podcast was repeatedly referenced across the network. Hmm. I hope you enjoy a few of my favorites. When somebody's going to knock four times? (laughs) Gotta knock back some margaritas. That's how it works. Okay, everybody ready? (laughs) 
That's how it works. Anyway. That's how it works. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Aloha. Oh, hello. Um, all right. Those are the potential suggestions that autocomplete might have added on to my what if Mr. Spock search term. I'm really disappointed that Meta Dinosaur was not one of those. But Meta Dinosaur is not <laughs> oh, all of that's Gog. It's it's um. Is it a good bad movie? Bad bad movie? Or movie you kind of like Jason? <laughs> well, Brian, I think it's a piece of. <laughs> if I may open up a fourth category, uh, should I just do as I traditionally do, which is walk <laughs> us through the plot and let you stop me and tell me what you want to tell, and then I try to move on, and then Steve says, "Well, wait, 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 you missed something," and then we back up, and then we go forward. Should I do that? Hey, it's it's worked That's well so far. It works. Yes. <laughs> That's how it works. Aloha. Why should we stop now? Aloha. Hello. And it's just, it, no. I mean, I, I feel like they could have had a dangerous space weapon or some other thing on a planet that was not literally, what if the Death Star was a, a planet instead of a space station? And it bugs me. Um, not as much as what seeing... What if the Death Star were one of us? Yeah. Uh, just, what, what if Penny met a Death Star? What if Penny met a Death Star? <laughs> The more I think about Galen Star, like I, I like that actor. And Are you mad about Mads, John? Mad about Mads. Yeah. Oh, he's so yeah. <laughs> I am mad about Mads. God, I love Hannibal. Reference acknowledged. <sighs> Keep on flopping in the new year. Jeff Lastname withheld. See, it took me a while to realize that was listener Jeff because you introduced him as Jeff Lastname withheld. But now I understand. It's a crossover. The madness. <laughs> I know, right? That'll be in next year's clip from I just want to praise, uh, by the way, listeners, uh, this is how you get elevated unto godhood. Uh, (laughs) Make your own clip montage and send it in to me. All I have to do is press (laughs) buttons. It's great. It's the best. That's how it works. That's how it works. It's not that hard. We repeat ourselves a lot. We do. This is true. (laughs) We do. You just take a random sample. We repeat ourselves a lot. Um, I think the hard part is choosing we do. Which, which times we repeat ourselves. Listener Kevin wrote in. Oh, listener Kevin. And disappointed me by saying, hi, Jason, I had grand plans of extracting audio, which I didn't. Oh. <laughs> but I took these notes Next. when walking around oh. listening to incomparable properties. I think I either gave a timestamp or a direct overcast link in every case of some of my favorite moments. Okay, well, I can do some work and put this together. Still more than I did. <laughs> I missed many great moments because I was driving my car. And in my selfishness, didn't want to die. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kevin, come on, you need to give a little more to the podcast. So here, here are some uh, here are some suggestions from listener Kevin in uh, Total Party Kill seventy one, strumming his piccolo, in which Carlos learns to strum a piccolo. It is filthy <laughs> and erotic. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and wonderful, and it's actually the earlier bits where where Scott initially makes the mistake of suggesting that a piccolo is an instrument to, to be, be strummed. Strummed. It's Pretty yep. funny too. Yep, <laughs> one little mistake and it all goes horribly wrong. It does. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when we're at our best. Mm-hmm. Is when we're. It's, it's, well, that's it's, when we're at our us. again. When you yeah, think it exactly. can't be stupider, and it's like, whoa, there's there, there's a lot of more pan in that thing. It can get a lot stupider. <laughs> There was a serious amount of panage in this episode. You see an elven bard uh, strumming a piccolo. Uh, you How do you see strum a piccolo? Steve. He doesn't make any noise, but you can do it. He's doing it. That's how good he is. You, know, you don't never strum, strum your piccolo in public is kind of a classic bard rule. It's an athasian piccolo. <laughs> It's just, it's just a, he thinks it's a piccolo. It's just a guitar with one string. That's a nice guitar. It's a piccolo. <laughs> yeah, obviously, there are a number of open tables. You don't need a reservation. <laughs> because 
of yeah <laughs> because of the piccolo strumming <laughs> <laughs> and uh is there anything else that you guys want to do in here can i ask I'll the bard if he'll no. let me uh, strum his piccolo <laughs> whoa whoa <laughs> Whoa. Oh, a charisma check. Not, you don't know. That's date. not something you do. A Carlos, don't know. That's not. That's not polite. That's not cool, man. That's not, polite. not cool. Don't do, don't do it, man. <laughs> it's a critical hit. Uh, all right. He says you, okay. you, you look like someone who would appreciate a good piccolo. <laughs> I want to leave now. <laughs> I'm ready to. I'm ready to, to go. And he hands over his piccolo and says, "Let me let me show you how to strum it." <laughs> Carlos Night, pays close attention. <laughs> now, Carlos knows how to strum an elven piccolo. I bet Carlos is going to get better information than Kachka did, though. <laughs> Anything yes, else that you would when like? It, when it comes out, he might not be too happy about it. <laughs> God, no. <sighs> oh, man, he just sniped me. <laughs> you can love it, too. Thank goodness. Uh, incomparable Game Show 29, Inconceivable, when we learn that the uh, acronym from Star Trek, LCARS, stands for... <laughs> Make something up. Yeah. You might get one of the words right. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, does it have to? Can we just make up our own? Oh acronym? yeah, totally. I would love for you to make up your own acronym. <laughs> you must. Well, let's start with life form. L always yeah. life form or laser. Well, laser cars. Well, <laughs> I really have no idea. Laser cars. Laser cars are really sweet. Come on, you you laser, laser, laser cars. cars. Yeah. On. Okay. If you guys are giving me laser cars are really sweet, unfortunately that came from Micah. But if you guys give me that, you got a point or two out of that. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, sure. Total party kill seventy three. Two mulls, a defiler, and a beetle place. Uh, he says, I like when Scott just made Dungeons and Dragons efficient by banning harebrained schemes. <laughs> no more of those. <laughs> what? It's no longer an arena. It's a ruin. But it's also a camp for the House Sham guards. And you guess that there are probably uh, 50 or so guards just camping out in the arena. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could uh, take them. Let me ask a question. I bet this arena is kind of set down into the ground a little bit. You cannot fill it with water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and just seal it closed. We seal close the doors. Web them closed. And then just... Is that the question you were going to ask me? Yes. <laughs> Can we, like, web a bunch of them and then douse them in geyser? Follow-up question. I've got this yes. rope. <laughs> If you use your mage hand and tie rope around the flask, <laughs> hover it above the arena. No, you still cannot fill it with water. Well, we can convince them it's raining that we control the power of weather. <laughs> you walk past that because you thought that there, there are way too many people there for yes. us to handle. Uh, and all of our harebrained schemes will just get us killed. So let us focus on the mission and go towards the cigarette. <laughs> And you you walk around the cigarettes. And I'm just you- going to sit back and drink my beer and see what we do. <laughs> you know, like, railroading has never felt so good. <laughs> just riding this train. <laughs> he shortened those episodes by, like, 70% by just mm-hmm. telling us, and now you're going to go through the door, which is not trapped. <laughs> <laughs> what? From the incomparable 300, the incomparable is people, when Steve Letts said... Uh-oh. I think spending hours and days and weeks of your life obsessing about every little detail of some sort of fan property, yeah, kind of a waste of time. All right. <laughs> there you go. You question the whole premise of this podcast, Steve. What's going on? Well, that was in the context of saying controversial things, that we were, yeah. we were forced to do that by a listener. I didn't want to say that. 
Under normal conditions, I would well, I would probably say that. <laughs> here's here's one from Lister Dan, who I should say is actually now panelist Dan because he was uh, Dan from our uh, Twilight Zone episode. And oh, panelist Dan, uh, panelist Dan, exactly right. Hmm. This is breaking from my pattern. I don't have an audio submission this time. Oh come on! But here are some notes with time code. Dan brought he brought the time oh, code right. about right. uh, the incomparable 2016. He's gonna get demoted back to listener Dan. <laughs> Well, there's one here, uh, episode 281 from the 2015 recap show, um, w- in which future Steve warns present Steve about the dangers of Chipotle. <laughs> what? When did that happen? He, he, you were out of the room. You, are, you may have been. You'll meet, tell him, you you'll meet him soon. And future Chipotle. Uh, episode 297, Nausicaa. I always enjoy Professor Syracuse leading us through these great films. This was no exception, including this clip in which John notes that a key point of the film is that heroism is not manliness. Yes, that's a favorite moment. It's not a joke. This movie emphasizes many, many, many times that heroism does not equal, quote-unquote, manliness, right? She doesn't kill the ohm. The, the job to be done is to save the person. She resolves the conflict by calming the ohm down. They don't hit you over the head with it, but almost every conflict, it, her interaction in that conflict is to try to do something good. She's just the good guy, right? Try to save people, save people who might even be your enemy or whatever. And to resolve conflict, she's always trying to de-escalate. She is put in normal situations and she has to be the hero, but she doesn't do the stereotypical physical dominance, manly, macho solution to these problems. She is not a killing machine. She's not even the world's best swordsman. She can barely lift the sword that she uses in anger later in the movie. And also from that episode, when Erica sang the song from the movie... Yeah, it's still in my head. Still he also head. mentioned episode 309, The Spaceship Draft, including this clip where John uh, tries to conceal his delight when p- picking the Millennium Falcon and fails. If you were to see this ship, you may find yourself thinking, what a piece of junk. Mm. Your initial impression uh, may be, this one is garbage. Mm. You saw me arrive in this ship, you would say, you came here in that thing? You're braver than I thought. <laughs> Is it a fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. It's outrun Imperial Starships, not the local bulk cruisers buying you. I'm talking about the big Corellian ships now. She may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts, kid. The Millennium Falcon is my number one pick, and I can't believe it wasn't already chosen. <laughs> <laughs> and then and later in that episode, John also stole Chip's pick, and the best thing that happens in a draft is that... Uh, People in general, and Chip in particular, uh, get angry. <laughs> this is the jewel of the Star League, the gun star. No! Starfighter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a very interesting <laughs> ship design. Very you interesting. bastard! <laughs> How can you tell when Syracuse expresses delight? <laughs> His, I think he gets louder. Oh, does he? I think that might be it. Yeah. Uh, listener panelist Dan also liked episode 320, uh, Frankenstein Island. Specifically, he wanted me to play this clip of me doing one of my many impressions of Jocko. Or no, it's Beardy says you 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 uh, have to take this to the 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 house instead of uh, and it's like instead of having it for dinner. I just did that one live. That wasn't even a clip. I can do that on demand. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's all you they left of it, You can't not be happy when Jocko rolls into town. You, you can't. Ah, that dude. And, and I will say, having seen that live, it's amazing. Other favorites from Dan. He loved uh, Batman, the animated series episode, uh, Alien and the Godfather, 
the live draft and uh, his least favorite moment was on the beer episode when we discussed the Maui coconut porter. He said, it sounds delicious and I discovered it is not available anywhere near me. And finally, the biggest wow. dream come true. There are better Epi- porters out there. Epi- there you can, are. You can oh, yeah. find a better one. Episode three twenty seven. Uh, biggest dream came true. Even though I fell victim to the same listening more than talking trap, so many others have. Getting invited to participate <laughs> in the episode was great fun. Thank you for having me, listener Dan. Thank you, listener Dan. Aww. Listener panelist Dan. Listener Dan. Slash panelist Dan. <laughs> All right, I've got a couple more clips here. So uh, here we go. This is, I believe, if I've done this right, this is our friend. Listener Ian. Ah, friend Ian. (laughs) Hey there, Jason and company. Uh, Ian McKinnon here in the Isle of Lewis in Scotland. Another year has come and gone, and the incomparable has delivered as always. Delivered what? (laughs) We've had some fantastic episodes this year. Some of the stuff that springs to mind would be uh, the David Bowie episode, uh, the Nebula nominees episode, which sorted me out for my entire summer vacations reading. Thank you so much for that. The beer (laughs) episode was a lot of fun. The Monster and Supervillain draft, also fantastic fun. Ongoing stuff as well, like the game show episodes, which are always just fantastic, and Total Party Kill, phenomenal. But this year, if I was going to nail it down, I would have to say that two episodes of Rocket Surgery in particular have caused me to go online, locate the original material that you were discussing, Uh-oh. watch it, and then waste more time re-listening to the podcast <laughs> than any Steve. <laughs> Mistakes were made. The first of these would be episode 320, Frankenstein Island, in which you discuss the power, the power, the power, the power, the power. The power. The power. And the power? it takes me right back to that summer I spent in Southern California. Ah, my arm! Work it, work but it, Ian. My <laughs> ultimate pick can only really be one thing. The Cool Cat episode. Oh, there he is. There it is. Now, picking a moment from the Cool Cat episode is almost impossible, as the entire thing is solid gold. But as a sort of representative (laughs) clip, here's my pick. Philip Michaels sabotaging a rare incidence of Steve Lutz (laughs) trying to be diplomatic and kind about Butch the Bully. (laughs) I have no recollection of this. I don't want to pick on Butch the Bully. He's just a kid. Well, he's a bully. It's not his, it's not his fault he got cast in this movie. It's the fault of the quote-unquote casting director mm-hmm. with the comma CSA after his name, which theoretically makes him a member of some sort of professional casting society. Yeah. But Butch the Bully strikes me as the kind of kid who would be so quickly bullied by every other child on the street, including the weird mascot man. I, well, I'm going to I'm gonna fight you on this because I think Butch the Bully may be the best character in this movie. He's wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, and yes, and obviously he has, turned to, he has turned to bullying because when you're a doughy albino <laughs> with a speech impediment. <laughs> uh, you got to be the hunter or the hunted, yeah, am I right? Yeah. All right. Well, it's out there. That yeah, was what gotta, I was trying you, to avoid saying, got, but it's out there use, now. You've gotta use weapons and his weapons are his wits and his cruel laugh yes (laughs) doughy albino with a speech impediment that's our butch shut up bonehead the bully oh shut up you boneheads (laughs) all right and i have one more clip from a listener and it is listener taylor oh listener taylor yeah Hello, nerds. This is listener Taylor here. And my favorite moment from The Incomparable this year was every time anybody said, there he is, in reference <laughs> to Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I would love it if Jason could compile a supercut of everyone saying, there he is. Oh, throughout dear. The year. Yeah, Jason, do that. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> 
There he is. Yep. There he is. There he is. There. I mean, we can do that. We made a lemonade. <laughs> do you want to know what Vivica did? I do not. There he is. <laughs> okay. Uh, time for us to talk about our favorite, our own favorite things. Now that we've gotten the the those listeners out of the way who sent us clips and things, like very nice, helpful people that they were. Love those listeners. Uh, David, would you like to uh, tell us uh, your favorite incomparable things of the year? Sure. Uh, I I also have some favorite rocket surgery episodes. I I highly enjoyed Gog. Oh Gog! Gog. Um, Science is Gog's you know, backwards is Gog. Never frightening. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and Cool Cat. Cool Cat would be my favorite episode that I was not on this year. Lucky even you. though I was going to be on it, and I watched the damn thing three times. So you um, have nobody to blame but yourself for that. You ended up ahead. <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> you did. Uh, I I loved finally getting to talk Astro City because I think I think that was one of the very first things I suggested. Yeah, way way back. Hey, so it was on my list. Know, that's <laughs> somewhere in three four, years. Takes three or four years, you know. Uh, and and also finally talking about Twilight Zone because that I love those too. I enjoyed the Star Wars travesties draft and uh, maybe my favorite episode of the year was the Anaheim doing the the live episode at Now Hear This and partly to have an audience and partly to have a ridiculously wonderful topic and partly just to hang out with you guys for three days. Um, that was utterly delightful. Between that and, and hanging out in Anaheim, it's, it's been a good year. Erica, what about you? You have some favorite incomparable things? I, I do. Uh, so, so the first part of my list is, is from those, those glorious few weeks where I was actually taking oh, good notes times. and, yeah, <laughs> and I, I don't have clips, but I think I have time codes for at least most of them. The high 200s, so, huh? <laughs> yep. Mm. Um, so I don't even have episode numbers for some of these. Um, oh dear. But the, the first one is the clip show. Um, oh, good. That's a where, good. That's always good. Yeah. Reference the uh, yep. show. What's what's about to happen here? <laughs> There's there was one where it, there was a funny exchange between uh, Steve and Glenn, uh, which that's not possible. Which I thought was sort of the perfect encapsulation of Glenn's participation participation on the podcast. Uh, let's see, just a few more. Episode two fifty nine. Oh my god. Summer <sighs> side. <laughs> You're one to talk, Glenn. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I am one to talk. Um, and then uh, there was also a moment where I actually admitted that I quite like Watto from episode one of The Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> but then, then I also said, I know he's awful, but I love him anyway. I love a lot of awful people. Just saying. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Yep. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Done. Uh, I was going to say, I'm here, aren't I? But I figured that was just too many. Oh. No, I'll take it. No, I, I, I'll, I'll allow it. Hey, who are you calling awful? Uh, I also liked uh, in episode 292, uh, which was called I Have an Appointment with a Tholian Ambassador, uh, which was about bad new Star Trek, uh, where near the beginning of the pod- <laughs> podcast, uh, Brianna is on and she, she just comes clean right off the bat. Yeah, Tracy, I feel like I have a history of having positive things to say about mm-hmm. things that many geeks don't like. I am blank this week. I got nothing for you. No help well, is coming. Even, even Bree doesn't have anything. That's, it's, uh, that's it's, pretty bad there. It's over. <laughs> that, that, I was just like, I am ready to dig into this episode now. That was a that was a great moment. <laughs> yeah, that was I was I I was pretty cruel with those selections. I got to say, we we all had to watch mm-hmm. Nemesis. That's it was tough. It was tough. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Uh, let's see. 
And then later in that episode, <laughs> there was a moment where Jason was describing how Picard talking to his clone should be good. And Dan just starts shouting. <laughs> And, and the idea that you would have scenes where Picard and his clone are doing like, hello, Captain, I'm yeah. just like you. It sounds like those scenes would be good, right? But it's no. so boring. It's so <laughs> boring. Why is this boring? I can't figure it out. It should be good, but it's boring. You know, you don't get yelling Dan quite as often as I would like. Oh. I feel like we need more bad things episodes because I, I appreciate yelling Dan. Ye- yelling Dan is utterly delightful. Mm. As is my want, I scanned through the episode titles and made a quick list of some of the other ones that I quite enjoyed. And the first one was actually one of the ones that uh, Anthony Johnston was the host for. And that was the David Bowie episode, uh, which was very early in 2016, like one of the first first signs that it was going to go downhill and fast. Uh, that was a, a podcast that kind of meant a lot to me. And, and I got a little emotional. And I don't usually cry on podcasts, but that was, I think, one of the exceptions. Um, so it was it was good in a, in a different way from a lot of these podcasts. Uh, a, another one that was, I, I didn't get weepy, but it was kind of important along the same lines was uh, episodes 288 and 289. I wish I was back in Norway, and it's not Hamilton. And those were the album drafts, which while they were super fun to participate in, the preparation for those was one of the hardest things I have ever had to do <laughs> for a podcast. I had to go through the list of albums. It was like picking favorite children. It was really, it was tough. Yeah. Um, I think we likened it to Sophie's Choice in the, the yeah, tale of that so. episode. Mm-hmm. Really was. Uh, but I noticed, I have learned that Jason and I have very similar tastes. So it's it's nice to have somebody that I can, I can you know, mostly trust their, their musical taste. So uh, when I need a recommendation for something, I know who to go to. And that guy is Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Number 297, I'm going to uh, agree with one of our listeners, uh, The Ohm Whisperer, which was uh, finally a Miyazaki movie that I have seen. <laughs> and it's it's one that I love. So I got to to be on that. So that was great. Uh, I liked episode 300 because uh, we took listener questions, and I, I thought that was really fun just to hear what they wanted to know, which was sometimes interesting and sometimes baffling. So that was that was a good time. <laughs> we that love our fun. listeners. We love them. Like those we listeners. Do. We love our listeners. Yeah, they're all right. <laughs> uh, episode 301, we've mentioned a couple times. That was the, the one about the Nebula books. And I am going to echo what Jason said. The two favorite books of Jason's were also my favorite books. 309, Boats in Space. Uh, you got to have a draft. Oh, I, yeah. you know, sure you You do. can't get through a year without picking a draft as a favorite. Uh, and I think Spaceships is one of the nerdier things possible to draft in a podcast. So it was right up my alley. That was a lot of fun. Um, one that I listened to but was not on was episode 313, The Ziggurats of Yavin 4, which was uh, another one of those Anthony Johnston ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, and I, I quite liked how you guys framed it as sort of the rebel podcast breaking into the main feed. That was, mm-hmm. was clever and took a little bit of editing. And as an editor myself, I always appreciate when that is done well. And that was done well. Nice work. This is the best. Erica's selections are the best. <laughs> Everybody, she set <laughs> a very high bar sickening. in praising me. High bar. <laughs> <laughs> high bar. <laughs> And then I'm also going to say episode 325, The Monster Mash, which was our live episode at Now Hear This, uh, which was just all kinds of fun. And the the fact that we had so many people that we had to have some of the panelists at the kids table, which was lower than all of the rest of it. Yeah. And and I just have to, to give a quick shout out to like, even when the incomparable is uh, difficult, shall we say, 
it's still fun because there were some episodes that uh, sort of left me shaking my head, but but in a good way. Um, episode 291, I like complicated books, Glenn, where we read Aurora and Luna New oh. Moon. Boy, I did not like those books at all, but it was it was still kind of fun to talk about them. And, you know, I, I don't know that I'm glad that I read the books, but I'm glad that I got to talk about them with you guys. Uh, same thing with episode 316, Just Add Jesuits. That was when we talked about The Sparrow, which I also really did not like. Um, turns out, Turns out Scott and I do not have similar taste no. in books. That's what I learned in 2016. That's unfortunate um, because Scott is the one who recommends all of the all books. All the books. Yeah. 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 I've I've yeah, I might just need to not be on the book club podcasts quite so often. Somebody um, needs to be there to tell Scott what's what though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh and then also as I already mentioned episode 292 uh about bad Star Trek. You know, I am not usually on Star Trek episodes, but I decided sure, I'll be on this one. And the one time I decide to join in, we watch Insurrection and Nemesis. Great. Just <laughs> great. You're welcome. <sighs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Uh, um, and then a couple of other sort of little shout outs. All of Total Party Kill has just been so fun this year, both being on it and editing it, which uh, means that I, I learn everything. <laughs> so <laughs> I've become sort of the walking encyclopedia for where we've been and what we've done. And that's kind of funny, too. It makes me laugh. Especially when you're playing the dumb character. I know. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I really should have thought that through ahead of time, except I didn't know I was going to be editing the podcast mm. when I created that character. I, sh- I should have created somebody very, very smart. Maybe in the future. Dumb rogue slash uh, repository of all knowledge involving the party for the last Yeah, two maybe years. maybe Flessa got bonked on the head at one point and she's just a savant of, of some sort. She's just that a makes sense. stereotypical idiot go. savant. She can go. have a good memory, but still be dumb. Yeah, that's true. Um, and Game Show, as other people have mentioned, Game Show is always great. And that is one where, as fun as it is to be on Game Show episodes, I... I also like not being on them because it's so delightful to have a new game show episode to listen to that I haven't heard yet. Um, drop in my queue. Always yeah. fun. Those are great. I also enjoyed my participation in a few episodes of Afoot with Glenn this year. We watched the first season of Veronica Mars and talked about that. That was wonderful. I I've always been a Veronica Mars fan, but I had forgotten just how great that first season is until I went back and watched it again. So uh, it was good to have the the opportunity to do that. And I did already also kind of mention Lazy Doctor Who, but doing Lazy Doctor Who on the Incomparable Podcast Network has been really fun. Uh, Stephen was actually telling me that uh, somebody discovered Radio Free Scarrow, his Doctor Who podcast, through Lazy Doctor Who, which in the world of Doctor Who podcasting... That's kind of bonkers. Yeah. So that was that was exciting. It's it's neat when that stuff happens. Probably the the last and very best thing uh, about the incomparable that uh, that I cottoned onto this year was actually Aline Sims because I know it wasn't officially her her first appearances on the incomparable flagship show came toward the end of 2015. But this was the first year that Aline was you know fairly regularly on the panel. And I just remember listening to the first few episodes with her and being like, oh, we've got a new person. Who's the Celine person? And I was not on the episodes with her uh, for the first few that she was on. And when I was listening, I was like, quite often when I listen to The Incomparable and I'm not on, I have moments where I'm, you know, talking back to my my phone and being like, oh, my God, you guys, this is wrong. Here's <laughs> you where you're say. wrong. This is why. <laughs> not possible. And, and, and when Aline was on, I was just like, hey... 
I don't I don't need to be here. Somebody is saying those things that I would be saying. It was it was kind of a magical moment. Uh, so so just getting to to know Aline in, in in addition to meeting her in person, like I already said, getting to know her and uh, listen to her on the podcast and then sometimes talk with her on the podcast has been really great. So I am very, very happy about that. And I hope she continues to be on lots of episodes in the future, but maybe not more than me. Okay, fine. More than me. You bonded over those two uh, books that you didn't like. So that was that was your first episode <laughs> together. Isn't that, that nice? That, that's right. <laughs> and yeah, so that's that's it. That's my list. Okay. Uh, that brings us to Monty. Well, I was very fond of episode 286 in which we talked about Hamilton, an American musical. Yep. To learn much, much more about it, I recommend the podcast Pod for Ham, hmm. which had its entire run encapsulated inside 2016. That's right. Where we went through all 46 tracks of the original cast album. Because we're crazy. Yeah. I was on a bunch of those. I think I hosted eight and was a guest on seven episodes. <laughs> yeah, heavy lifting. You and David both did a lot of heavy lifting on that one. My favorite moment of podcasting was the three podcasts we recorded at Now Hear This, a podcast festival. I was delighted to be at because I got to see all my podcast pals. I feel like we've talked about the Monster Mash, the Monster Villain Draft a lot. We haven't talked about uh, the game show episodes that much, especially uh, game show oh, episode yeah. 49, where I got to play a game of Feuding Families instead of host it. And that was super fun. Oh, yeah. Even though I don't think we won that one. No, you, you really didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> but my team did win the Inconceivable we played. So that was fun. And it was, like everyone else has said, really fun to either catch up with people or meet people for the first time face to face. Yeah, I don't think I've seen you in person for what, like 20 years? Yeah, I'm like 92, 93, something like that. Something like that, yeah. And that was the wow. first time that I had met you. I feel like, you know, yeah, I, I got to catch them all. Here. And that was, <laughs> okay, I got well, another luck. one. The Pokédex is getting larger and larger every year, so good luck. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> As people keep getting promoted to panelists. Um, <laughs> I, I was also on a foot. I was on the Sherlock Holmes episodes. And I want to specifically call out the bonus track from a foot number five. So that's bonus track A5, where I make what I swear is a terrific argument against Batman being the world's greatest detective. <laughs> uh, no one can hear more than half of it because my connection kept cutting in and out. But the parts where you can't hear me, I'm making an amazingly good case, I promise. <laughs> that is the highest. That's the height of Batman is not the world's greatest detective. <laughs> they call him the world's greatest detective. Oh my god, that sounds like a lovely rant that we can't hear. We can't hear your rant, Monty. The most he does is feed things into a computer. The He's not even that anymore. Now. Oh, oh, no. You're getting too close to the, the truth. You're being silenced. It, it was quite something being there. And also, I enjoyed the rocket surgery episodes I was on, particularly as we've mentioned Cool Cat. There he is. There he is. There he is. Darn Vivica A. Fox and Eric Estrada messed, messed it, it up. up. Shut up, Bonehead. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the chance to dissect Johnny Mnemonic, a movie that should have been right up my alley, but made mistakes on absolutely every level yeah. it possibly could. Yeah. I mean, it's so close to being The Matrix. I know. On paper, it should have been The Matrix. And I enjoyed many other things that I 
do not remember right now. So that is the end of my time. The end of my time. Steve. Oh, is it me? So as usual, I've got favorite episodes and favorite moments. Oh, good. Uh, favorite episodes. Yeah, well, you know, you got to stay, uh, stay on brand. We do have fun. Yeah, we do. The gang and me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so uh, episode-wise, I really, really enjoyed episodes 288 and 289. That would be I Wish I Was Back in Norway and It's Not Hamilton. Again, that was our album draft. It was tremendously fun to talk about uh, music on the podcast, which is something we have not done often. And uh, it turns out we have a fair number of music geeks on the podcast. And uh, I really hope we get the opportunity to do a few more music-based episodes, although I suspect, based on the uh, the minimal amount of feedback we got, that that probably was not well-loved by our usual crowd. But uh, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I very much enjoyed uh, getting some lists of interesting albums to try out from other people on the panel, uh, most of which I did not like. But hey, it was worth <laughs> a try. Uh, let's see. Uh, I had to pick a rocket surgery like everybody else. I I actually wavered a little bit because we did a lot of good work on rocket surgery this year. We did. Yeah. Good for us. I mean, we had, uh, we had Gog and Frankenstein Island to choose from, <laughs> and those were both pretty sweet, I got to say. <laughs> but uh, nothing was quite as sweet as getting to talk about Cool Cat Saves the Kids on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I think it was on a bonus track where I just started saying, there he is. Yep. For one of our previous episodes, and uh, just half-jokingly, because I figured no one would be dumb enough to actually decide to do an episode on Cool Cat Saves the Kids. Uh, it turns out we were dumb enough. <laughs> we are always dumb enough, Steve. Haven't you learned <laughs> this yet? Dumb enough. 300 episodes yeah, well, in, the answer know. is always us. Who is dumb enough? We are dumb enough. <laughs> I thought I knew where rock bottom was, and it turns out that there was a sub-basement. So, And uh, that sub-basement was Cool Cat. Uh, I also really liked uh, episode 322, Tastes Like College, uh, because of beer. <laughs> Finally, something good comes out of all of this yep. stupid podcasting. Uh, it's free beer. <laughs> Well, that's just it. We finally roped somebody into sending us a whole bunch of free beer. <laughs> that was your idea all along, Steve. You, you've been it was. championing this for quite a while. And Jesse Friedman, bless his heart, took the bait mm, and shipped his everybody heart. beer. But like the Cool Cat thing, I didn't think anybody would be dumb enough <laughs> to actually take us up on that. Again. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jesse Friedman. You are, you are the greatest. We love man. our listeners. If I didn't love our listeners so much, I would say you're the best. But our listeners <laughs> are the best. And you're a close second. Anyway, that was a that was an awfully fun episode. It was uh, and it was it was amusing because we kind of pitched it as an educational episode. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> and, it, and it turned out it really was. I mean, I actually learned some things yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. It worked. I'm not even I'm not really a beer drinker, but I found it fascinating. Yeah. And I, I, I quite liked uh, Jesse's his comment that, you know, when, when people tell him they don't like beer, they just haven't found the beer you know, there you their go. beer yet. Right. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if it's worth trying more and more beer to, to find my beer. But oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is. It, there you it know. is. What? See, to me, it sounds like a waste of beer, but but maybe, maybe mm-hmm. at the next convention, guys. All right. Okay. Room together. beer. I'll bring more room beer next time. More and varied room mm-hmm. beer. Fewer hops, please. Yeah. So that was great fun. And we got a lot of good feedback from that one from, uh, from a lot of people, which was uh, somewhat surprising because really, frankly, that episode was all about us and getting free beer and drinking it. <laughs> So I'm glad it turned out to be something that other people could enjoy as well. Although, frankly, I don't care. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else? Um, Getting off of the main show, I 
This is actually a bit of a cheat because it was at the very tail end of last year. It came out uh, the day before Christmas, I believe. And that would be the uh, incomparable radio theater 1.11, The Adventures of Timmy Preston in Far Future Land. Uh, uh, there was way too much of that screechy kid, but otherwise it was a <laughs> lot of fun. <laughs> On to favorite moments. On to favorite moments. Yay! New things. Yay! Uh, actually, most of my favorite moments come from non-flagship shows because that's where we get up to our really stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. We spun off all the... <laughs> Extra stupid stuff into spinoffs. We love Just our listeners. Just the moderately stuff remains. You figured out my whole plan, Steve. You figured out there the, it is. the whole business plan. There he is. Uh, starting off with bonus track 300. Boy, bonus tracks did a weird thing this year. They disappeared. They did. For people who aren't members. That's true. And I think bonus track 300 is one of the last of them. But, uh, boy, what a delightful one to end on. And my favorite piece out of that is... Uh, where Scott McNulty says something along the lines of uh, every young boy at some point in his life loses his transformer. And Jason just loses it. <laughs> he loses it more spectacularly than he did during the Human Santipede episode. And that was like padded. That is something, yeah. Padded walls, straight jacket time. <laughs> every, every boy remembers the time when he lost his transformer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is that the dirtiest thing Scott McNulty has ever said on the podcast right there? Or is it just me? Anyway. Well, you know, the way he said it was was perfect. Like, the timing was perfect. Oh, and it's one of those great uh, those great innuendos where you're not entirely sure what it is he's referring to, but you can think of a few <laughs> things that might fit, so to speak. So to and, speak. Uh, <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Well, when the podcast falls apart, that's what I'm, I'm the most pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, episode 320, The Power. The power, the power, the power, the power, the power, the power. Oh, disciples of the golden. Oh, bread. children of the twelve lines. Oh, it reminds me of that time back in Philadelphia. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> this one, uh, this one comes from the great moments in editing series. At uh, at time code fifty one fifty two, we are uh, discussing the spinning ammo box in Sheila Frankenstein's lab, <laughs> and how it is likely just mounted on a dowel. And uh, and I say, there's a guy down there just doweling the crap out of that thing. Only I don't say crap. I say something a little bluer. Uh, and instead of getting bleeped or spoiler horned, which, by the way, when we get spoiler horned is probably my favorite thing of all in the podcast every year. Uh, but instead of getting bleeped or spoiler horned, I get jockoed. There's a, like a, a fraction of a second of jocko laughing. That really diminishes it, man. Yeah, I thought Crank was bad. Come on, man. He's down there doweling the shit <laughs> out of that thing. I forgot I did that. Uh, that is my favorite thing uh, in that episode. I was in tears after that. <laughs> so there's a guy down there just doweling the ha <laughs> out of that thing. So, you know, <laughs> Erica will be will, will will go with me in this. It's like sometimes you're editing and things just happen, and you're like, I don't even know what mm-hmm, I'm going to yeah. do here, and you're oh, like, yeah. I'm just going to put Jocko there. That'll show him. <laughs> things yep. just happen. No, it's fantastic. Yeah. It it reminds me of of a clip, and I know you have this already cut out because I saved the the thing of it of of getting spoiler horned on Pod for Ham uh, with my reaction to Bambi's mother. Oh yeah, that was a oh, right. which that is utterly delightful. Was, yeah, yeah you know, I like, said that to you. That that's it, well, same here. And then, and, but everything else, you know, old yeller, nothing. Bambi's mother, <laughs> you're a monster. You are a Jason monster. Jason J. Lo, 
more. I, I am a monster. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Uh, <laughs> low definition. This would be Game Show 31, low definition, Tempted uh, by the, the Little, little man. man, which I think may be the best episode we did all year. It is solid from end to end, oh, and that's yeah. sad because it was pretty early on, but it was good. <sighs> yeah. Uh, at Exactly 48 minutes, we go into word six of that episode, which is Eucaligon, uh, and there's a, a lengthy discussion about the small, less tasty precursor to the modern chicken, chicken. that is oh frankly hysterical and it makes me almost break into tears <laughs> yeah. every time I hear it. The small, less tasty precursor of the modern chicken. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to trick me with your chicken definitions anymore. <laughs> what a judgment call in there. I'm not sure how I feel about that one. It's the tasty bit than me. Also, also small, because every low definition definition must have a size attached to it. I'm surprised there was no semicolon in there. <laughs> it's not one of those chickens with outdated views, either. It's a modern chicken. <laughs> yeah. Also, Glenn wins that episode, which is what? nuts. How does Glenn win? Mm-hmm. Hey, wasn't the amount of pain in a thing this year? Oh, yeah. Well, that's next. Low definition. Okay. That's, uh, that's, game show episode yeah. 39, the amount of pan in a thing. I'm going to call out <laughs> the amount of pan in a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Hamilton's definition of panage. panage and a sure sign that he had given up. Yeah. On. <laughs> panage. The amount of pan in a thing. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> We thought he had died briefly, I think. <laughs> it was a perfect reflection of how desperate we were at that point. Uh, on to uh, Total Party Kill. I got a few uh, things to mention here. Uh, anytime that K cast Windwall <laughs> this year, <laughs> uh, thus uh, inspiring a variety of Oasis uh, songs oh, yes. and parodies. I have to say that yes. is also one of my favorites. And when I was visiting my sister in Chicago, she specifically brought that up as well. So please oh. never stop doing that. Oh, boy. It's so dumb and so bad. <laughs> and that is why I love it. Yep. Dumb and bad, right in my wheelhouse. Uh, I also really enjoyed episodes 78 and 79 of Total Party Kill. Man, we've played a lot of D&D. Yeah, really <laughs> have. What the hell is wrong with us? Those would be uh, crossbow friends, exclamation Ooh. mark. And it's never too late for Pew when you're in the sewer. Um, those are the two episodes where, where uh, Tony Sindelar makes the rookie error of deciding <laughs> to start our adventure in the sewer. Oh. Asking for trouble, really. They're uh, generating a fair amount of mirth and poop jokes. <laughs> oh, God. And the best thing about that is that like 90% of those poop jokes don't come from me. It's everybody else doing the, the dirty work, and I'm just sitting back and listening and enjoying myself. <laughs> Uh, but I think my favorite moment of those two episodes is uh, when Sarah Barbour, who no normally is one of the adults in the room, usually, uh, <laughs> in, in, unless she's dropping S-bombs and F-bombs, which she does from time to time just out of the blue, which I also find delightful. <laughs> Everybody else is talking about uh, various foul, fecal-related puns and things, and she just says in this sort of plaintive, sad voice, there's so much poop. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also in Total Party Kill, uh, episode 96, What's Left of Peter Dragonforge, the one that just dropped recently. Uh, at 6.55, we get uh, my annual candidate for underappreciated joke Ooh. of the year. This one's from Monty Ashley. Uh, we're discussing whether Acrid is, uh, is immune to acid because she vomits acid all over the place <laughs> and probably gets it all over herself and yet doesn't suffer any damage. Uh, Tony decides that she's not. Uh, but Monty then drops... Acrid is literally 80% acid, if you're counting the letters. I have some science questions. 
So, Eckerd, I assume uh, that you are still I'm make a note for unappreciated joke of the year, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere around there is when we did that line about uh, how somebody should start lactating, right? Oh, that was pretty solid, too. <laughs> Yeah, that was my that favorite. That was pretty in there. solid too. Because we needed milk, which is basic to soothe the acid. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Oh. Anyway, that was my underappreciated joke of the year. Good job, Monty. Well done. Thanks, man. Uh, I didn't think I got enough laughs at the time, so I'm it didn't. I tried it out to there, uncover didn't. it. I tried to uncover it a little bit in the edit so everybody could appreciate it. But yes. Well, I appreciated it because I had written down in some sort of uh, drunken scrawl on my character sheet, underappreciated joke of the year, acrid acid 80%, and I had no idea which episode that would turn up in. And driving home tonight, I just happened to throw episode 96 on, and there it was at 6.55, and I got very excited. There it was! There it was! Almost didn't make it in the episode, but there it was. Uh, episode 281, I Love a Lot of Awful People. That's last year's clip show episode. <gasps> yeah. uh, Monty again, look at that. In reference to the previous year's Summer Superhero Spectacular, uses the phrase... I'm still a little bitter that I could not get the thing all the way to the finals, but I think I did a good job. Uh, I have that that's what Steve sometimes. said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Steve's literally saying it right now. <laughs> it's clobbering. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Just go to sleep. <laughs> Simultaneous and it is perfect. And uh, I laughed very hard about that. Good work, Glenn. (laughs) Oh, while we're on the subject of last year's clip show episode, I should mention that in the interest of averting disaster, I am not selecting the somewhat abbreviated clip loop that we played in that episode. Clip loop? Accidentally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, that yeah, it just kind of happened at the end there. But I am not going to pick that. You hear me, people. The infinite clip loop is over. It is finished. Kaput. Uh, finito, it is long past its best by date, and for the safety of all mankind, I am taking it out of the back of the fridge and putting it out with the recycling. The clip loop is done. Thank goodness. Yeah. It's all over. Wow. Uh, wow. Feel good getting that out of the way. Uh, and one last clip, uh, uh, episode 325, The Monster Mash. That's our live episode. Uh, I'm going to pick the clip of me picking Skeletor <laughs> in our supervillain monster draft. <laughs> well, Jason, I suppose this is inevitable, so we might as well get it out of the way. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to take Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe. Do not encourage this. This podcast is over. See, the amazing thing about Skeletor is he managed to be a memorable villain in what is basically a toy commercial. And not just a toy commercial, but a toy commercial whose hero is just a muscly dude in a loincloth with a page boy haircut. Pretty good stuff. <laughs> uh, that does it for me. All right. <laughs> That's good, Steve. P- turning over a new leaf there. Uh, yeah, exactly right. I've got a list. Of some some episodes that I liked, uh, most of which have already been. This is what happens when you're the host and you go last. Is uh, and it's fine. It's fine. I'm fine. It's not a draft. It's not a draft. It's not a draft. Totally not a draft. Pick them all again. In- it reinforce our our picks. Three twenty nine. The Star Wars travesty travesty draft. That was an idea. 
it started with uh, Todd Vizzeri from Industrial Light and Magic suggesting um, that an incomparable episode about all the changes that we didn't like in the Star Wars special editions might be a good episode. And it spiraled out of control into being, uh, I think, what is a very good, fun episode. I was very happy with how that turned out uh, with us picking. It, it was like each round was a different selection. And so it was a different kind of game than than kind of going over the same ground every, you know, uh, over and over again. And that was a lot of fun and a lot of good stuff. It, it's fun to get a bunch of nerds who really care about something to then nitpick, like forcibly nitpick it. And that's uh, that that episode did that very well. The monster supervillain draft we talked about here, that turned out way better than I had ever hoped. It was a dumb idea, but I wanted to do a big dumb idea for our live show because really, if you're going to uh, expose your podcast to a bunch of potentially new listeners who've never heard of it, as well as your peers in the podcasting mu- community, the most important thing is to be uh, representative of just how stupid your episodes are. And I think we delivered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pleased that we drew a my a moderate crowd. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say. I mean it was small, but it was dedicated. They outnumbered us, which wasn't easy. They're, yeah. And there were a lot of us. And Matt, I think Matt Young was in the back from Magic Tavern yeah. was in the back the whole he was time. There the whole time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was great. I mean he obviously doesn't have a lot going on. <laughs> and, and he could have he could have been in a lot of other podcasts that you do not know. The beer episode was lovely. Yay! We mentioned we mentioned it uh, earlier, and I wanted to just say it again that that as as somebody who makes podcasts, that was I, I spent like a week thinking how am I going to do this, and I kept thinking like I have all the equipment to make this work. I I don't know if it actually will work in practice, and if it doesn't work, I'm already going to have been drinking at the time that it fails, and that seems like <laughs> you won't care. It will be a disaster in the making, and that that was like an episode I thought might I would feel really bad if it completely failed after Jesse did all that work to send us beer. And it turned out that as ridiculously technically complicated as it was because we had five people around a table in my garage and another four people on Skype, it it totally worked and it sounded good and everybody drank beer. And if you notice, if you go back and listen to it toward the end, um, what's happening in our house at the end when we're talking is Jesse keeps opening more beer and giving it to yeah. us, and it's it, it, that mm. guy is dangerous. That guy, he is <laughs> he is dangerous because he just kept opening beer. I like the bit where uh, where Mose is is given the opportunity to say his thank yous and goodbyes, and instead you just hear another can opening. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that. It was like that. But that was a, that was a fun thing to do, uh, and and it did, and it worked out. That's the best thing about it. It was kind of ambitious and weird, and in the end, it was also a good episode. It wasn't just that we got to drink beer; we got a good episode out of it. And anybody else who wants to send us beer, let me remind you: uh, you can do it. It's been done. It works. Yeah. Um, number three twenty. So so Frankenstein Island. The the story is as I mentioned on that episode, we watched <laughs> the power. We watched the power. We watched this movie the, the in high school. This is a movie that I have been watching. Since high school, back in Sonora, California. And so to watch it with you and to have this sort of like all the jokes that we made in the late in the mid to late 80s made again in 2016 uh, was weird and great. And and the best thing about it now is that not only the people who watched the movie for this podcast, but the listeners who have uncovered Frankenstein Island now understand and will reflect back to me these references that were my own like little private set of references since 
the mid 80s and now it's just sort of out there and the best thing of all is that every now and then i get a message from tony sindelar saying you know i was thinking about frankenstein island again (laughs) (laughs) he says i think about it almost every day had the dream again (laughs) it's great Oh. episode 307 the cool cat episode also has come up that that was i i don't i mean that episode <laughs> that that movie does yep. not deserve 20 minutes of analysis and we gave it almost two hours of analysis it just oh, it kept more than that going come on. Yeah, <laughs> <not done. laughs> and i i would like to say um that that and i think a listener who whose letter for whatever reason didn't get in here but uh one of the the listener uh, favorite moments that I think we should probably play is, of course, the dramatic rendition of the lyrics to one of the Cool Cat original songs as read <laughs> aloud by Mr. Philip Michaels. <laughs> I actually took a uh, screen cap of the song, and I'd like to do a dramatic okay. reading of it oh. now. This is Cool Cat's song, quote marks, Cool Cat loves to rock. Mm-hmm. Oh, does he ever? Cool Cat loves to rock. <laughs> yeah. Cool Cat loves to rock cool cat loves to play the guitar and he looks so cool cool cat loves to play the drums yeah and he plays them so good (laughs) cool cat loves to rock yeah cool cat (laughs) loves to rock cool cat loves to play the guitar and he looks so cool Cool Cat loves to play the drums. Yeah, and he plays them so good. (laughs) Cool Cat is the coolest cat in the world. He's so cool. Yes, he is. Here, here. Wow. This, I mean, really, Derek, Derek Savage's artwork needs to be rendered in that way. So that was a, that was a great moment. If anything needs analysis, I think it might be Derek. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if anyone can consistently throw me out of my chair the way the way you get thrown out of your chair sometimes, it's Phil. Yep, he's all right. He wrote down the lyrics. I mean, really, that's that's the thing. <laughs> he didn't just write down the lyrics. He he had to pause the screen on that uh, very yeah. small text word document that Derek oh, yeah. Savage is looking at, yeah. which. He couldn't even cheat and use the actual lyrics from the subsequent song because they were completely different. <laughs> it was listener Nathan who wrote in, and I have found his letter now. And that was oh, listener Nathan, and that was his uh, his favorite <laughs> moment. Uh, Phil's dramatic reading. He another his other favorite moment was the bit where Phil tells the story about how he and Lisa watched the actual Hollywood Christmas parade that Cool Cat was in, <laughs> at which we all react dramatically. In the Hollywood parade. The Hollywood parade. Um, he also says the Skeletor loop clip must always live on in some form. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, it's not happening, man. All right. (laughs) I have two game show episodes I wanted to mention. One is, as mentioned before, Tempted by the Little Man. I do think that was the best episode. And that was tough because I think the game show in general, I said this last year and I think it's still true, I think is just pure as pure entertainment goes. It's my favorite thing that we do. um, and, And I hope more people discover it because it is it is so so fun to do it's also fun to listen to and uh my other game show episode that i wanted to pick which hasn't been mentioned yet so i'm going to mention it here 
Game, game Show to Episode 33, Exits Are Unknown, in which we played oh, Jungle Adventure. Oh. Wow. You enjoyed that, <laughs> I huh? enjoyed that. <laughs> sick bastard. I did not enjoy playing it at all. It was a disaster. <laughs> Light Zippo. Light Zippo. But I'm still frustrated. It works. It was super frustrating. Um... And that's one where I actually did edit out a big chunk of our movement because we just kept moving around oh, in the for in the jungle the whole thing forever. Was a movement, I think. I, I, as soon as I said the word movement, I said, "Where's the poop joke, Steve?" <laughs> yep. There it is. Uh, there it is. is. So um, that's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, but that that oh, I think huh. in the end, if Hello. you didn't go through Goodbye. it and were traumatized by it, you find you would find it amusing. It was uh, it was funny, and what Tony took out of it is. Is next time, uh, next time fewer players uh, and certain players probably shouldn't come back. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> it was it was a beautiful disaster and edited into something a little bit more. Uh, there's a 13 minute long bonus track of us wandering lost in the in the jungle that I don't recommend anyone listen to. Bonus is being used pretty generously. Only 13 yeah, minutes. It's 13 minutes of time. <laughs> Emphasis on the bone. <laughs> at points during that, I'm holding up the map that I drew, waving it at the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's our, uh, I think that's it. I think we have wrapped up 2016 and it's time to turn to 2017. I look forward next year, Erica, I look forward to hearing what great stuff we did in January. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll come through for you. My streak is, is unbroken. Yeah, I appreciate so it. So far. 2017 onward to 2017 sure why not why not it comes next <laughs> Can't go back. numerically so we will do that before we go i just have one last thing to say which is yes indeed we do love our listeners thank you to everybody who listened to the incomparable and all the other crazy shows that we do uh in 2016 and going now into 2017 we appreciate you and the fact that you like to listen to as previously mentioned the incredibly stupid things that we do and say <laughs> we appreciate you uh, for for doing that, and it's great that there are people who actually want to listen to this nonsense. Bless you, wherever you are. I would like to thank our panelists. Good Lord, why for joining us? <laughs> Top four panelists on the board. We love our panelists. <laughs> Some of whom were listeners. Show me, David Lore. Hey, twenty six. Hello. Did did I mention uh, how much I enjoyed coming out to Anaheim with you guys? No, nope. no, you did not. Mm. Damn it. Erica Ensign, thank you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a panelist turned listener. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> it is, but that's what happened. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That is weird. Uh, Good God, why? We have fun. <laughs> it's because we have fun, Steve. Because we have fun. The gang. Oh, yeah, there is that. Monty Ashley, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Steve. Hey, it's been great, Jason. Uh, what a year it's been, huh? Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> 2016. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> 2016. Hard to believe. Hey. Hard to believe. But now it's on to 2017. It's over. It's over and yeah. done. That's what's coming next. That's how it works. That's how it works. Hello. God bless us, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. There he is. <laughs> Lemonade. Take out the recycling. Hey, Overcast, play last year's clip show.
second favorite moment of 2014 was when listener Etienne picked me in the 2013 clip show, picking me in the 2012 clip show, picking listeners Lori, Janice, and Chad in the 2011 clip show, picking me, picking Skeletor in the TV fantasy character draft. What's oh, a one pick, Steve? My favorite moment of <laughs> I will defeat the incomparable and they will never draft me again. 